Welcome to Redemption's Hill podcast. For more information about Redemption's Hill, go to redemptionshill.com. Hey, good morning. How are we this morning? One, Blake is good. I am I'm grateful for, for Blake that he's well. I hope the rest of you are as well. Um, but I'm glad that you're here. I am... I'm, am, I'm feeling amped up this morning uh, as we were singing. Um, my, my hope is that it's um, that's the Holy Spirit and not that fourth cup of coffee that I had. But as you can already see, like I cried during the, the scripture reading this morning, so we may be in for it. But I am excited to be here with you this morning. My name is Garrett Richards. I'm an elder here. If you're uh, kind of visiting us, we're glad that you're here. Uh, But I'm especially excited this morning to cover what is really some of my favorite scripture in all of the Bible. Um, And it just kind of was accidental. Uh, I didn't realize when I signed up to preach this week that I was covering this text. Um, And when I uh, opened the study, I texted TJ. I was like, dude, this is like some of my favorite scripture in all the Bible. This, This exact scripture really helped me personally through some really dark, difficult times in my own uh, journey, like a time when I was really suffering and, or felt like I was suffering and felt like I was going through trials. Um, this is a scripture that I really clinged, clung to. Um, and, and since then, that's been like 15 plus years ago, all right? Since then, my theology has changed a ton, right? And my understanding of why this text is so good has really shifted, right? I would say, I would tell you that what I believe about it today is different than what I hoped and believed about it 15 years ago, but I'm still nonetheless grateful for how this specific text really helped me grow all those years ago. So I'm excited for us to go through it together. So if you would, let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter five. We're continuing through our series in Romans that we started after New Year. So we've been at it for a while and we find ourselves opening up chapter five today. We're going to be covering verses one through 11. So if you will read along with me. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Verse 6, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died For the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. Lord, we just we thank you already this morning for your presence here. God, we can feel you through the reading of your word. We can feel you through the singing of our praise. And God, I just ask that you would continue to settle upon us the reality and the depth of your love and what you have done for us. God, that we would see it or feel it in a fresh, new way. And that, God, we would rejoice and we would have hope because you are a good father a good king, and a good friend. We love you. We ask that you be glorified this morning. Would you have your way, God, and just get me out of the way. We love you. We praise your mighty name. Amen. All right. So we have, as I said, we're, we're continuing through our Romans um, series, and we've been at this for a while, and if you've been listening or you've been with us the last few weeks, we've really seen Paul really focusing on justification, right? He's been kind of attacking um, some of the, the works righteousness that the religious at that time were maybe clinging to and were lording over people, whether it be their duty or their, their uh, circumcision. He's kind of been attacking all of that right? The Jews, the Gentiles, he said it's really all because of Jesus, and his focus has really been on justification through Jesus. And I thought last week was just so interesting to see that really the same faith that we, that saves us today, right, looking back, was the same faith that saved Abraham and David looking forward, right? This justification that we have, this sentence that was taken from us and given on Jesus because of his love. So Paul today is going to really start continuing on with justification. He's going to start by showing us some of the positive consequences, is what we'll call it, of justification. Some of the positive realities or benefits or consequences of this justification that we have if our faith is in Jesus. And so what Paul starts out with here in verses 1 and, and a little bit in 2 is really the part that I was missing all those years ago in my own personal life when I was just jumping to verse 3, right? I was looking for, I was focused solely on my own hardships and trials and hurts, and, and I was feeling lonely, and I was feeling lost a little bit. And so verses 3 through 5 is what I clung to to try to really put that positive spin on my suffering, Right? I needed to believe that God was working in that and could do something and there was purpose for it rather than me just being miserable. And that was my focus. But Paul, if we start with verse 1, really leads with the real good news. And that is that the good news isn't that, that good can come from our suffering. The good news is really the why good can come from our suffering, Right? Paul leads with this real good news with, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. This is the good news. This is why when we get to suffering that we can have hope because we have been justified by faith. Our knowledge and our understanding of justification can produce fruit in us. Good things can happen because of it, right? There will be a day we can look back and we'll be grateful for what God did in those things. That can happen in good times and maybe more so 
we see it happening in our suffering. You see, 15 years ago, how old was I? Early 20s. Um, I was focusing on my suffering. And I was clinging to this truth or hope or belief that it was doing something. And I'll tell you that it sucked while it was happening, right? I hated it. But I needed to believe that it had a purpose, which it did. I'm standing here today grateful for those things that I thought were really difficult at that time. Now I look back and I'm like, what was I? What was even the big deal, right? I'm so grateful that I went through that. And clinging to scripture is a good thing. But again, what I didn't understand then is that the reason that I could hope that God was working in the midst of that season in my life, the reason that I personally was beginning to see some fruit in the midst of this storm was because while my circumstances were unsure, my justification was not, right? That was solid. That was not changing. And Tim Keller says, it's really helpful. He says it this way. Justification makes a difference. It makes every difference, not only to where we are heading, but to how we act and feel in our present in both good times and, more surprisingly and wonderfully, in bad. Justification makes every difference. Paul's intro here into chapter 5, what he is doing in just these two first two verses is he's showing us three realities that justification brings. Okay, The first reality that justification brings, he says, is peace with God. Note the with there, peace with God. What Paul is talking about here is different than the peace of God. Anybody heard of the peace of God or prayed and asked for the peace of God? Just me? The peace of God is a great thing, right? The peace of God is that calm and satisfied heart that we can have in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of troubles, right? But that is subjective. That peace of God is subjective to our cares of the world, but peace with God, that is objective. What that means is the state of hostility that once existed between God and us when we were sinners, that's over. That's gone. We have peace with God, and that happens whether or not I feel happy and secure in my life right now. Peace with God means that before we receive salvation, there was a war going on between God and us. We were sinners breaking his law. We were assuming we had the right and the authority over the God of the universe to do what we thought was right for our lives. We were claiming kingship over ourselves. And that's a problem. God has a problem with that. Paul already told us in Romans 1, 18, that God's wrath is upon us because of that, right? And, we, and TJ covered at that time, that's a legal term. That's a legal wrath, not this vengeful or vindictive thing, but there's a sentence on us. There's a debt that has to be paid because we have wronged the creator of the universe and we cannot in any way pay that. So peace with God 
is not something that we achieve, right? There's no works. There's nothing you do. We rely on his gift of reconciliation to give us this peace. This is one of the realities that justification brings, and it's something we have to cling to this morning as we get into how does this help me through my suffering? The second reality that justification brings that we see here in verse one is access to grace in which we stand. Access is a really important word there. You see our justification, now we've received this peace with God, but justification is not only the removal of that hostility that existed. Justification gives us access. It gives us a favorable, favorable position from which we can develop a relationship with him, right? So it's not just that, hey, the sentence is now taken care of and, and God is somehow indifferent to us. Justification gives us access to the grace in which we stand. It gives us access to a friendship with God. This access means that now, we are no longer not just enemies. We can go to God continually with our requests, with our problems, with our sufferings, with our failures. We can go to him and he hears you and he relates to you, right? This goes beyond that peace with God. In Christ, we are invited into the king's throne room and we get to stay there. Once you're there, you're in. You get to stay there and wherever we go and whatever life throws at us and whatever circumstances or hard times we find ourselves in, you are always in the heavenly throne room. You always have access to the grace that gave you that peace with God to begin with. That is good news that we need to keep in front of us when we go into those seasons of trial and suffering. And our third reality that we see here, the third consequence of justification is what Paul calls hope of the glory of God. Hope of the glory of God. And, and our English word, hope, is, is pretty weak in the context of what Paul is trying to get us believers to understand, right? It's a weak word. For us, when we say hope, really we just like we're wishing right like Blake you think uh you think Mizzou's gonna get this basketball coach hired you think they're gonna get the right guy yeah. uh, I sure hope so yeah I hope. like I don't know that would be great right it's that is that is just a wish that is not a Christian hope a Christian hope is not just some wish it is actually a hope filled certainty we have confidence, we have assurance, we have certainty in this hope of future glory. And this benefit that we see, uh, the third benefit of justification, comes third for a reason, because the more that we experience our peace with God, the more we look to that, the more we understand, the more we feel it, that burden lifted off of us, the more we experience our peace and the more we experience that access that we have to the Father, being in the throne room, being able to approach him and come to him as a friend, the more we 
experience those things, then the more we will begin to desire that future glory, the more we will begin to desire to see him face to face, the more we will begin to desire heaven. And the more certain and thrilled we'll become with that idea that one day we're going to get to experience his glory face to face. The more we experience this access to God, the more we get to taste his presence and just really understand and realize just how intoxicating it is to have just a few drops of his presence on our tongues, the more we'll desire to drink from the fountainhead. And that desire and focus and joyous certainty of future, of the future, is what Paul calls this hope of glory. Hope of glory. These are the positive consequences that come from justification. And so what Paul has just described in just these two verses, these three benefits, what's interesting is that these three benefits are also the three tenses of our salvation, right? Past tense, present, and future. In Christ, we have been freed from our past. That's peace with God, right? We're freed from that because we have peace with God. Because of that, we are free to experience a personal relationship in our present. Here today, that's access. And we will one day most certainly experience the freedom of life lived in the full, awesome presence of God. Hope of future glory. Past, present, and future, everything that we need to cling to to get us there is found in the justification that we have through Christ Jesus. Now, even as I say that, that sounds great, right? Those things sound great. Yes, I'm gonna keep fighting to believe that. I'm gonna keep fighting to remember that. But life is hard, right? Life is hard. If you're, a not, if you're not a believer and this is the first time you've heard any of this and you're like, well, that all sounds great. These people don't have any problems. That's not what I'm saying. Life is hard. It involves as much pain as it does pleasure. And heaven sounds great. Yeah, that sounds wonderful, right? That's great that someday that we won't suffer and there'll be no pain and, and sorrow, but I'd struggle to even understand what that is gonna feel like because I feel so much pain and hurt here and now. How does that help me now? What difference does peace and access and future glory make to me today? I'm going through some hard stuff. Well, Paul says that it makes every difference if your hope is in Jesus. He says in verse 2 that we rejoice in our hope of glory, but then he continues in verse 3 that we also rejoice in our suffering. We rejoice in our suffering. Let's take a look at that again. Let's read verses 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. starts, right, he started by showing us the positive consequences of our justification. And now he's going to point us to three positive results of suffering. Three positive things that God can do through our suffering. Paul points out that suffering begins this sort of chain reaction in the life of a believer, okay? It's not gonna do this for everybody, but if we can cling to those positive consequences of justification, then this can happen in our suffering, this chain reaction that starts. The first is that suffering leads to perseverance perseverance. Suffering makes us focus. It makes us focus. It helps us focus on what is really important, or it should. It should help us to remember what is really lasting. It can help to realign our priorities and remove some of these distractions and things that we're caught up in, right? When life is just punching you in the gut and you feel helpless and out of control, we should look to our helper and the only one who is truly in control, right? When we can't fix it, we look to the one who can. We joke sometimes, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. But, goofy as that sounds, sometimes if suffering forces us to take our eyes off of what we think we're controlling, and we look to the cross, that is how we can persevere. That is how we can keep hope in the midst of just really hard things. As we keep our eyes on Jesus and suffering can lead us to that. When we come through, we develop this perseverance. And then Paul says that that perseverance leads to character. It leads to character or sort of a testedness, right? That comes through fire. That comes through challenge. That comes through hardship, through being tested. This character 
is really a confidence that comes from having been through an experience and surviving it, right? Coming through on the other side, completing your, your duty despite it all. It's this battle-testedness that we have. We've been through the fire, and I made it through, and I'm stronger the next time that that one comes, right? So here's a very simple example that my mind went to this week, right? As everything that I was studying, it was like, think of a sports team and blah, blah, blah. Here's what I got, okay? I have two boys, six and eight, and they're starting to get into video games a little bit, which is kind of cool. I'm not a, I've never been a big video, a gamer, but uh, I, I like to play. And, and so we have some old systems, and so we play, you know, the Wii games. And, and Mario Kart is one of my favorite games to play with them because Mario Kart is my favorite video game of all time. It is. Now, I do my best to be a good dad, and I love my kids, right? And my job as their dad, uh, I think, is to nurture them and support them and to encourage them because I want them to succeed, right? I want to see them thrive. But I'm also responsible to prepare them for the world, right? And there's some hardship out there. So I have told my children that there will never be a day. There will never be a day that they will beat me at Mario Kart, right? Because I'm more tested than they are. I have been through the Mario Kart fire, right? I have spent hours and hours playing, and I've suffered the feelings that they get every time that I beat them. I know what it feels like. And because of that, I can confidently beat the pants off those little guys every time we play, right? It's silly, but suffering, if it leads you to focus on God and your proper priorities, Right, to reevaluate and refocus and look to Jesus can lead you to greater confidence as you come through it. Because you realize, I didn't die. I'm still here, right? I can look back 15 years and the things that I thought were so important to me and the reason I wept and I was looking anywhere in scripture for hope are embarrassing to me now to look back. I'm like, so petty and silly were those things. And so good and big is God that I, it's because my focus is different, right? If suffering leads us to that, we will come through it with greater confidence. Good can come from that suffering. And the third positive thing that can happen in our suffering besides just persevering and the development of our characters, those things lead to a growth in hope. There's that word again, hope. That's certainty, right? Not a wish, the certainty. This is a stronger assurance and confidence in our peace with God, our access to God and His future glory. All of that can come from your suffering if we look to Jesus. Christians rejoice in our sufferings, Paul says, not because we enjoy it, right? We're not gluttons for punishment here. We don't use our suffering as some form of works, right? Well, God, look at how all the 
junk that you put me through. Surely I've earned. No, that's not how this works. We don't enjoy that. There's no actual joy in the trouble themselves. But believers know that suffering can have beneficial results if it draws us closer to God. We are able to look through those circumstances to what is certain, our certainties, right? And we know that our troubles only increase our enjoyment and appreciation of those certainties. I grew up in church and, and there's so many things that I say today that makes me feel old and sound like some of those people that I thought were a hundred years old, a hundred years ago, right? Um, but if you've ever had really the honor to be around a seasoned believer who's been through some stuff, right? And hear them still proclaim that God is good and see those people that have developed that character because they've just lived more life than we have, that when they're going through something that would bring you to your knees, they can stand there and say, God is in control. Man, there's power to that. And it's not anything they did, right? It's just a focus on God and what, is, what we can be assured of, which is that we are justified and that he is a good father. And we'll see that as we continue with verse six. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Those who have put their faith in Jesus, we can have hope and we can rejoice in trial because we know that God loves us. We know that he is a good father. How do we know this? How can I know that? How do I know that he loves me? Through the death of his son, Jesus. Paul has spent all this time saying, it's not based on our worth. You didn't deserve it. It wasn't based on our merits or our works because Paul points out that he died while we were powerless, while we were still sinners, ungodly. And then he goes deeper. How loving of a person would it take for that person to die for someone else? It's extremely rare, right? I mean, I really like some of y'all, but I don't know. I don't know. How much more loving would you have to be to die for someone who looked you in the face and spit at you and said, I know what's right for my life. I'm the one in control. I'm the one that gets to decide. It's not happening, right? None of us are doing that. Paul says that's how we can know that we are loved. That's our proof. 
that we are loved. You need assurance in the middle of that suffering that you're going through. Here is the single action which completely proves that God loves you. While we were still sinners, Christ chose by the will of the Father to die for you. Paul is saying you can know objectively and beyond all doubt that God loves you, even if you don't feel it or even if the appearance of your life circumstances might be prompting you to wonder if he cares at all. We can look to Jesus. We can look to his word and our justification. We have to keep our eyes on him, and that is where our hope has to come from. Because this good God, who while we were still sinners, while we didn't deserve it, the same God who opened heaven to us through the death of his son, Jesus, you can trust and ensure that he is going to make sure you arrive there, right? He opened the heaven to us. He's going to make sure that we will arrive there, that we will persevere. Why would he send his son, Jesus, to die for you and then just leave you to suffer and wonder if you're going to make it? We already know we're not. On our own accord, we can't do it. We serve a good God who is going to make sure that you reach that finish line, that you can persevere. And then we can experience the rejoicing that Paul talks about in verse 11. We can rejoice. Why can we rejoice when things are hard? Because joy is the great marker of a justified person. This is unique to the Christian because it does not depend on your circumstances or your performance. You can rejoice regardless of how screwed up you are, how bad things are right now. We have a hope that will not fail you because Christ loves us. When you give your heart to anything else, even the good stuff, we are so good at inventing things to put our hope in. I am a natural at it. Without even trying, I can find myself putting my hope in the wrong things. But when we do that, when we seek our happiness in anything but God, you will be at some point disappointed. And you'll soon realize just how brittle and insecure that happiness is when you do that. When that job fails you and doesn't bring the fulfillment that you thought it would, when that friend that you thought would always be there fails, when that loved one who you put all your happiness in that relationship where you have, when they're lost, So what do we look to? We look to the one who does not change and will not disappoint because he loves us like no other has and no other will. And so if you're here this morning and you've not experienced any of this and you're like, where can I get some of that joy, right? I could use some hope like that right now. It is so easy. You just have to put your faith 
in Jesus for the justification of your sins. He'll take it. He's already done the work. You just have to ask. He's already done the work. You just have to believe and trust in him to cover your sins. And what happens is when you do that, you'll get to experience this. You'll get to experience it and you'll get to feel this freedom and that freedom and hope and access and peace and all those things, it it will begin to transform how you live. It will begin to transform how you speak because a love like this does something to you. It transforms even how you suffer. And it, let me tell you the truth, it's still gonna hurt. No prosperity gospel here, it's still gonna hurt. You're still gonna hate it. I do too. But you can cling to a hope that will not disappoint you, that will not hurt you. Now for the believer who is here, what we need to hear is this, because maybe you haven't felt this in a while, or maybe you're going through suffering and you feel isolated and alone. And I'd venture to say we've all experienced it at times. We have to fight for it, right? Because our flesh is weak. But it is as we come to know more deeply what we have, who we are, and where we stand simply because we have been justified by faith, the more deeply we know that, the more we will find ourselves rejoicing in the certain hope of being with God. Rejoicing even in our suffering. The more we know that, the more we rejoice in God. Band, you guys can come back up this morning. I alluded to it earlier. But as I prepared, there were times where I felt like I just sounded old is a disrespectful word, where I sounded like so many seasoned believers that I heard even as a child, right? And in my own ego uh, over the years, I, I don't know, I think sometimes I thought I had a better way or a better understanding. But man, as I get older, and as I see the world changing, I'm more and more convinced and, and, and I've just been feeling this conviction in my soul that we have got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have got to keep our eyes and our hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so easy to get distracted and we are wasting so much energy because we are looking to the wrong things and all of us do it, but we have got to keep our eyes on Jesus. And the sweeter and sweeter that this faith that I have, that I have been given becomes to me, the more conviction I feel of that. That what do, I just wanna, I just wanna see and do what Jesus asked me to. I don't wanna waste my energy in some of those other things. Let's look to the cross. Let's look to this good news, this hope of future glory that we have. 
so as I was praying, and honestly, this happened last night, as I was praying, I really just felt the Spirit lay a song in my mind, and I just began to think through the words, and I began to sing it to myself. And, and so I want us, I, I'm going to ask you to do something. I ask you to close your eyes. And I'm just going to read a little bit from this song. This song was written in 1922. Just listen to these words. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. In life, more abundant and free. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying. His perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I'm going to ask you while you're saying there with your eyes closed. Let's sing that together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow So we have the opportunity this morning in worship, even as we take communion this morning, to celebrate our justification, that we have peace with God, that we have access to Him, and that we have hope in the future glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're going to worship this morning, and you are free to take communion at any point. We don't guard that. We just, you don't have to be a member here. We just ask that your faith would be in Jesus. If you continue reading through Corinthians, there's, there's a few things that you should be on guard for and aware of as you take that, but we would encourage you to do that. And let's just celebrate and worship 
this amazing love that we have in Him.